This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, hello to all of our automotive aftermarket people's Carm Capriato, Remarkable Results Radio. You know, the majority of our podcasts are on our YouTube channel. Search for Carm Capriato and please subscribe. We're on all the podcast listening apps, Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Google, and NVIDIA to satisfy your different uptake processes. I'm with... David Asquith. Hey, David. Hey, Carm. How are you? Great, man. Thanks for being here. Managing Director, Auto Stream Car Care, Baltimore area, multi-shop operation. So you only have nine locations. How's that? Yeah, need a tenth. We're working on it. Attaboy. See, it's a nice round number. And then what happens after 10, 11? 11 uh, through 14, next few years. That's the goal, Carm. Wow, how exciting. Incredible. I know you guys are an incredible company. Of course, I know I know your owners, and they've been so kind to, to come on the show, including Doug Grills. Hey, plan to be at Apex 2023, October 31st through November 2nd. Apex will build upon the incredible success of Joe's Garage, a full 10-bay working environment. If you earn your living in the auto service aftermarket, then Apex is for you. Hey, let's face it, your shop management system is the most critical tool in your shop. And Napa Tracks will move your shop into the SMS Fastlane with on-site training, six days a week support, and local representation. Find Napa Tracks on the web at N-A-P-A-T-R-A-C-S dot com. You're here to talk about evolving and changing as a leader. And I, I tell you, I think it takes a really special person to say... Hey, I I may have screwed up earlier in my years, and I carried a big stick, but I realized that as life changes, as we go through the generations, and sometimes almost, David, when you get a little older, do you, do you soften up a bit because you realize that you can get more with sugar than salt? Yeah, I think that it does come with more wisdom. As we know, wisdom doesn't necessarily reflect age, but the more experience that we do have with people, I think we understand what works and doesn't work, especially as we've tried a full gamut of uh, approaches over the years. You have been at this, I think, for over 22 years, and you told me that you've evolved. And part of the reason we're doing this episode is there's a lot of you in other people. There's a lot of your situation in other people. And they don't necessarily feel that they could evolve and change. Well, what's wrong with you? You're softening up. And, it, you know, people don't want to handle the either the pressure and their ego prevents them from wanting to open up. And that's the reason for this story. We want you to understand that David is going to be pretty damn transparent here. In, in sharing with us why it's important to find maybe a new normal or a new tough love thing, David. And I'm sure you're, you hold your people accountable. I'd like to talk about that with you in this episode. But uh, you've evolved. Give us a little highlight of how that happened and why it happened. Well, the good news is if I can do it, anyone can do it. And I know that's cliche, but it is true. If you don't take anything from this podcast, I would say embrace the pain because it is not an easy journey, right? You have to be wide open and understand why you have to be different as a leader. So when I'm 22 years ago coming out of the Marine Corps, 
military, you can say whatever you want about the leadership. And there's some great generals and officers out there that are fantastic leaders. And that doesn't mean a non-commissioned officer can't be a great leader. But the reality is there's a huge difference between do as I say, because I outrank you and I happen to outrank you because I got promoted faster for whatever reason. And do as I say, because I'm a leader that you want to follow. And I had to learn very early that the true test of the leadership is how many people are following you when you turn over your shoulder. And the reality, what's the difference between a manager and a leader? People follow managers because they have to, and people follow leaders because they want to. And that took me a long time in the beginning to get that. It happened to me when I sold my business and went to work for the much bigger, larger family business that, that I sold to and was given all awesome responsibility. I had it as an owner, but I, I didn't have it to the degree that I was offered it. And I'll never forget driving home and I think Borders Bookstore back then, 1998 <laughs> Bookstore. What's that? You're talking my language. <laughs> yeah, all right. And so I, I, I went in I went to the leadership section and I start, you know, pulling out every book, looking at the cover, you know, reading the back cover. And I walked out of there with two John Maxwell books. Love John Maxwell. Yeah. And, you know, the things that you're just saying, managing, leading, leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. Everyone communicates, few connect. Great John Maxwell book. I recommend it to anybody. 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. That is so many people that come on the show, they quote so many of those laws. And they're, it's a great book, and it's simple enough how John explains what all, of the, all those laws are. And if you can abide by eight of them, you're going to be a better leader, right? Yeah, absolutely. So it happened with you. You, you basically, I, I had to have that come to, you know, Jesus meeting and say, you know, wow, I can see this incredible opportunity and mountain that I had in front of me, but there was no way I could climb it alone, which was being, I wasn't going to have to manage. I was going to have to lead. When, when did that happen with you? How many years ago? Well, as I transitioned into ExxonMobil from the Marines, I was running stores for Exxon. And there was a, a point where I actually lost my store due to a defalcation. There was a, a theft that happened and they felt like they could at least repurpose me, which was kind of a shot at redemption. And at that point, uh, the kind of the exit feedback strategy was like, well, it couldn't have happened to a better guy, meaning like I kind of got what I deserved. And so from that moment on, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about, is that really who I want to be, right? Do I want to be the guy who makes the mistake and then everyone is just kind of glad that I'm no longer part of their lives? And back when I was in ExxonMobil, when you talk about tempers and just the way that you'd manage, whether it was the immaturity of punching filing cabinets or throwing gondolas and telling people to pick things up like that, it just, there was no leadership whatsoever. I had the title of manager. I had the big corporation behind me. I had the accolades of being a pace setter for the organization. And yet in a true moment, nobody wanted to follow me. And that was a painful moment. In my career, unfortunately, I was young enough and had people that allowed me a shot at redemption that uh, kind of helped me evolve over time in the beginning. David, you bring up such a great point. Let's let's bring this down away from ExxonMobil, away from a, a nine-store chain to a small shop owner. He may have six employees, and he's been at it for eight, nine, ten years. And he senses the fact that he 
is close to his people, but he doesn't believe they know where he's going or that they follow him at all. Is, is there hope? Yeah, but you got to ask them for honest feedback. Recently, my organization did a 360 survey, and what I'm saying embrace the pain is, to me, true leaders are wide open to direct feedback from the people that they impact most. And so for that single shop owner, you may not want to hear what those other six people have to say. But if you truly want to make an impact, the best way is to ask them and to just come in humbly and say, hey, I want to be a better leader for you. I want to help us go in this direction. I want you to be part of our team. I want to grow old with you. And just be candid and give it to me straight. And I was actually talking to my boss, Rick, before we got on the podcast, and I just don't know how many leaders have that intestinal fortitude where they can just kind of lay it out on the line and say, give it to me straight. And so I would just encourage people, be wide open to the people that you trust, because if you're going to be in business with them for a long time, then that's a key part of your relationship. We could end the episode right now. That was the greatest piece of wisdom we could give to anybody. Let's go back to the beginning of David's statement, embrace the pain. It may not be fun. And and maybe it's the fear factor that's holding people away. They just don't want to hear what, you know, you don't always have 100% loyal people. You know, uh, there's a, this guy's a little rogue, this guy's a little independent, this guy, yeah, and you know, you're going to hear stuff you don't want to hear. So you never ask. Absolutely. So you never ask. And that's what happens when you start reading leadership books, that you start getting involved in networks, that you start literally sharing your innermost. I think I may be failing as a leader. Do you have any advice to a peer, to a confidant, to someone in the network, to someone you could Zoom call with, to someone you could pick up the phone with? I don't think people have to go it alone today, even if you involve yourself deeply in a book, a leadership book. Someone needs to come along, David, and tell me if I'm right or wrong here and help you to confirm and clarify what you're reading, what you're hearing. No question. I mean, when I first started, I would go to Doug, my boss, and I would say, hey, I want to know what you're reading because I want to be in lockstep with what you're learning. And so we'd read the same books. And now even today, like, he'd be like, hey, did you read this one yet? Read that one, taking the lead. Fantastic. And we reference book reference all the time. So I'm a huge self-help, as you alluded to, the Barnes and Nobles, the Borders of the Ruled. Don't know how many of those exist anymore, but through Amazon or any of those type of things, there's so much knowledge out there, and whether it's the audible learnings or things like that. And Carm, here's the one thing that I think you can appreciate. As I'm trying to lead my organization and watching others, the excuse comes, I don't have the time. And you make time for anything that you find that's important. And so for me, 20 minutes a day to spend on some sort of self-help, or if you're in a position where you're traveling or driving, what are you listening to during that time? Because there's constant nuggets and tens of thousands of hundreds of books that can help you be better, but you had to seek that knowledge. I totally agree that the time issue is one of our greatest excuses in the world and I know how much incoming we get each and every day. I, I, I help produce some of that content that I believe helps people. I mean, thank God we're a business acumen podcast. That we're, we're, we're talking important things to grow as a leader, to grow a great business. And so proud of guys like you, David, that come on the show. And we have serious conversation that helps people 
in their own world. Yeah, go, going back to Exxon Mobil, I recall years ago, our family was a mobile distributor, both in not only in bulk oil but in fuels, and. Our mobile reps always seem to be Marines, or they always seem to have come from the military. Was I right in my observation? Well, I don't know about that, but Penn State had a lot of graduates. And if you're alluding to how they kind of reacted to you on a leadership style, what's interesting is when you're ExxonMobil or Mobile or the NFL, you got 53 players on the field, and then there's a 1,000 guys that want to have their job. And so it's easy to sit there and point the finger and direct, and you're either on the team or you're not on the team, but that's not leadership. So when you're that single store operator and you have six guys and you're trying to find good technicians and keep the team together, you can't talk to them that way. So I'm not sure if that was the path you were leading down, but absolutely, like, it's very easy to come in and have the weight of a Fortune 5 company behind you to say, you're going to do as I say because... I have the position to say so. Are you a former Marine? Yes. Well, thank you for your service, man. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you. You brought a little bit of that into all the jobs that you had, and uh, it took you a while. Uh, Again, as you say, do as I say uh, because I said so. And and that's how you were probably a leader in years past. Yeah, well, at least a manager of people, definitely not a leader. And the one thing that you and I were talking about, introspective. Can you identify where you're deficient? And you alluded to it a few minutes ago, which is who's going to give you that compass? And, you know, whether it's your your own people or someone that you trust, a peer or an immediate supervisor, there's got to be someone in your life that helps you gauge where you're off and when you're off. Yeah. Hey, did you ever think, David, you know, just go back five years that you would be involved in a COO peer group? I've been part of peer groups basically my entire career, which I do attribute to a big portion of the help. And getting perspective from across the country, huge people, Not we're not recreating the wheel. It's not rocket science, right? Other people have gone through what you're going through. And having that network, someone to kind of soundboard off of that maybe is going through the same thing or has already been there, that's huge help. Apex 2023 will be here sooner than you realize. So make a commitment, plan ahead, and register now at aapexshow.com. This year, you'll find a strong offering of management, technical, and service advisor training to include J2534 module programming, deciphering gas turbo drivability, ADAS calibration, and strategies for dealing with difficult customers among another 30 classes. Bring your thirst for knowledge, determination to network, and curiosity to Las Vegas, October 31st through November 2nd, 2023. Head to aapexshow.com and register now and sign up for the classes that you want. And a highlight at Apex is meeting top industry execs ready to talk with you about your business needs, parts programs, and tools. So if you're in your living in the automotive aftermarket, then Apex is for you. Spend time at Joe's Garage and see tools and equipment in action. Register now, aapexshow.com, 31st of October through November 2nd, 2023. Apex, now more than ever. Hey, let's face it. Your shop management system is the single most important tool in your shop, period. 
Napa Tracks has made selecting the right shop management system easy by offering the industry's best, most comprehensive SMS. Now, it all starts when a local representative meets with you to learn about your business and how you need to run it. After all, it's your shop, so it's your choice. And having local representation is a huge plus. Customizing tracks to your business, whether you're a one-person shop or a large multi-bay or multi-location company, a representative consults with you to help optimize your shop's workflow, efficiency, and profitability. Tracks always has the flexibility to do business how you need to do it, which means it can also grow as your business grows. And unlike the other guys, we'll be there for you after installation with the best training and support in the business. Yes, a learning management system tailored to each role in your company. Simply put, Trax was designed and built for shop owners just like you. Visit us on the web at NapaTrax, that's N-A-P-A-T-R-A-C-S dot com. So how much of a filter in your particular position, you've got your owners, you've got your, you know, the entrepreneurial group, this great, incredible company, AutoStream, they've got their goals, they give them to you, they have their fundamentals, they have their rules, you have got to take that and bridge that out to your people. So sometimes, and remember, I used to work for a public company before I became a podcaster, and there's an awful lot of corporate rules you just can't lay on your people. You've got to, figure, you've got to find a way to help lead them through the goals of the company. Was that, is that a tough thing for you? Or was it? Yeah, it's evolved. I remember Doug and I sitting there for probably seven or eight years ago where we're writing the process and procedure manual. Well, then the question is, who actually reads the manual, right? Like, the culture is a living organism within the organization and, and being able to establish what does right look like. We talked about, there's a guy that I admire greatly over in Arizona, Lee Weatherby, who talked about being above the line and below the line. And when he came in and spoke to our team, the impact on that, we still use above the line and below the line eight years later. And so being able to have those discussions where we know something is below the line that's not something that's going to be, we're not going to the process and procedure manual. We're relying on everyone to have the same understanding of what we're trying to accomplish. But that's a constant discussion, Carm, as you're alluding to. It's not a one-time discussion and everyone gets it. Lee and Kelly Weatherby, good good peoples. They've been on the show, had some great dialogue with them, I believe, back at, uh, at Apex last year. Really good people. Thanks thanks for the reference there. So you've got to be able to connect with your people and and realize that you're part of their career development, but you also have to hold them accountable. Isn't that one of the hardest parts of being a leader? Without question. People don't like to be held accountable in a lot of discussions. Very rarely are you going to find someone who's going to acknowledge like, yep, I made a mistake there. How do I correct it? So being able to meet with them on a regular basis, that's one thing I would encourage is making sure that you're touching all of your people, whatever your purview is on the leadership, whether you're an owner with a person like in my position, making sure that they're touching the individuals and then having those accountable, hey, we missed here. We can be better here. Is that what right looks like? Those type of things. And getting them to to say, what are we going to do to course correct? Because that's the other half of the discussion. You can identify it, but if you don't get them to acknowledge or make change, 
then it's not worth having the discussion because what are you going to do differently in the future? And one of the things that you can appreciate on the accountability side is don't just come to me with the problem. I want the solutions. So I'm there and I can give you what I think, but I truly want to know how are you going to handle it? And people will surprise you. 95% of the time, they would handle it exactly the way that you would. And then if it's not the way you would handle it, give them food for thought. If you need to give them clear direction and say, I need you to handle it this way, that's a different discussion, but build consensus. One of the things that I struggled with for years, and there's a book out there called Start With Why, going back to do as I say because I outrank you. Like, hey, just go attack that hill. Well, we need to attack the hill and here's how we're going to do it. And then we're going to have a post brief afterwards and see what, you know, what mistakes we made and what we can do on the next hill. And that takes a lot of time and effort as a leader that it's not convenient. But as we know, Carm, leadership is never convenient. I love what you just said. By the way, Simon Sinek, you know, start with why. Most There's a lot of the books you're mentioning that are on our books page on our website. Every time we talk about a book, we put it up there. I love your analogy. Let's go take that hill. So we as a team are on top of the hill and we collectively look at you as our platoon leader and say, now what? If if I didn't have an idea why we were marching, when we got there, what happens next? If I didn't have some kind of clear picture or vision from my leader, we would all be asking the question, okay, I, I went to training, I'm back. Now what? What a great thought. It doesn't come naturally to people like myself. And I think for most people, because it is that time to get calm bought on is, hey, let me tell you why it's important we're going to attack this hill. And let me tell you what's going to happen as a result of us attacking it. Let me tell you what we're going to do after we do that. And now all of a sudden you're bought into the mission. But that does take time and that takes trust and that takes mutual respect and leadership. There's one other thought that I had. Thank you. You, you really are motivating my think here when you ask an individual for solutions. And so what would you do? Don't be fearful that they don't think you have an answer. <laughs> a lot of people say, well, he doesn't know what to do, so he wants my opinion. Okay, live with it. Understand that you continue to test the people that you work with to see if they're bought into the vision, if they've got common sense, if they have any business acumen, if they have a logical mind. You're looking for these answers, and guess what? They just may come up with a completely different pathway, and then you need to say, you know I was thinking deeply about that subject, but never thought of that right turn you just gave me. Thank you so much for that. Don't be afraid to ask for a solution. One other thing I'd like to segue, if I could, Carm, is, and I'd be remiss because my owners would hurt me if I didn't say this, and I say that rhetorically, is one of the things as a young leader or any leader is you think that you had to have that answer right then. And one of the things that Doug Rick taught me was it's okay to say, Let me think on that. I'll get back to you. And one of the mistakes that we make as young leaders is that we deflect it to the other, to the owner. And then we lose credibility in that discussion. Oh, you know, I'm not really sure. Let me go talk to Doug and Rick. Well, I just took credibility away from myself as the guy who's in charge. So if I said, hey, Carm, let me think on that. That's a great question. I'll get back to you later on this afternoon or tomorrow by taking that moment gives us tremendous power because when we do come back, Now we've had a chance to think about it. We're not shooting from the hip. And I was notorious for shooting from the hip. You always had to have an answer, David. It took me a while to realize that I could say, I don't know. 
I need to find you an answer because, oh my God, they're coming to me. I've got to be Mr. Right, never wrong, always the answer man. And it got me in trouble. Yeah. If we take that approach, we make mistakes. And I'm not saying we don't make mistakes if we ponder on it or think about it, but our mistakes will be a lot less. And the word of the day right now is incubate. Incubate the idea, incubate your relationships, because I'm a thinker. I I always do my best work an hour before it's due, David. (laughs) I mean, I'm asked to write articles all the time. Well, the deadline's uh, June 12th in this next article. I'll probably write it on the 11th. But I'm thinking about it every day. Absolutely. One of the things that we really want to talk about is the consequences for getting the right behavior. You know, you basically are telling people that, look at how would you solve this problem? How, how do we get up and over this thing? But at the end of the day, there are occasions when, as a, as a leader, you got to make some tough decisions. Yeah, and that's what we find very difficult in regards to hey, is this person on the team? Are they not on the team? I think you always have to start in with the end in mind. And I forget what book that came in, but begin with the end in mind. And so, yes, we want them on our team. What's causing these actions? That's the seek first to understand, then be understood. Okay, Carm, why are we still struggling to achieve this metric? Why are we struggling this? Why did you handle it this way? And then trying to understand where that's coming from and then giving them your honest feedback on, hey, this is how we're expecting you to handle it. This is the expectation. And then the coaching continues over time until they've demonstrated that they either either got it or they don't. Some people talk about eating the elephant one bite at a time or red light, green light. It's red until we move forward and we've demonstrated that it's a non-issue. Okay, green light, what's the next concern? And so from my perspective, trying to get people to change at that point, meaning okay, how are we going to change the habits? How are we going to change the perspective? How are we going to change this? And then getting them bought into the solution by them giving it to you as we were talking about, which is here's what I'm going to do to course correct. So many young people nowadays struggle to get to work early or on time. Okay, what's the issue? Why are we struggling? Well, I'm staying up late at night gaming. Okay, well, how are we going to correct this? It's just little things And I think most times when people want to make a true difference and they truly understand there is a concern and they do want to make that impact and change to the habit. David, how many chances are you going to give me to get to work on time because I'm gaming every night? Unfortunately, probably more than I should, but I'd give you, you and I'd probably have the discussion two or three times. And at that point, then I would say, what's the consequence moving forward if we continue to not show up on time? And then push is going to come to shove and either you're going to take the consequences and I'm going to help you correct what you're doing or you're probably not going to be part of the team. So you must see value in my contribution to the company. You you must see more in me than I see in myself if you are going to tolerate that. But if you gave someone five chances and another one three, that's also not fair. Being consistent. And unfortunately, there's the guys that are putting the points on the board that you're going to take into perspective, and then you're going to have the people that overall aren't performing at a very high level. You have to treat everyone as an individual while having the rules be the same for everybody. The discussions that I'm going to have with the guy who's not performing at a high level is going to be a lot tougher than the guy who's out there delivering the results. But 
if I'm going to terminate someone because timeliness is not there after three discussions, then to your point, I need to be consistent and terminate the next guy because they weren't there for three times. And that comes down to making sure everyone knows what the expectation is because inconsistency will lead to confusion, which will question the leader. Building trust in yourself, in your team, and in your system, I I think are so critical as a strong leader. Do you talk about that a lot with your people? Yeah, I'm reading Stephen Covey, The Speed of Trust, which I highly recommend to anybody. And trust does happen over time. I think we've all, like most people, have this level of instinct where they may trust you to a certain degree, but you're going to have to make emotional deposits into that account for people to truly trust you. And then when are you going to make that emotional withdrawal? Because there's going to come a time where I am going to make that emotional withdrawal. We do talk about the trust, especially on the leadership team. Where are we breaking trust? What habits are we doing that's causing people not to be on board, not to trust us, to cause confusion, not to trust the vision, not to trust the the individual, not to trust the manager? You have to constantly be seeking to understand why those trust issues are happening in your organization if they are existing. And I think having honest and candid discussions and having a pulse for what's happening, not only on the personal, but the professional level will help expedite the trust process. Yeah, that whole thing sounds like a breakdown in culture. That's where we all fail as leaders is when our culture is put to the test, how are we going to respond? And here recently, our organization, we lost people. We pride ourselves on retention constantly. And yet we had to make terminations for drinking on the job or things like that. And you had to identify what habits did we allow to happen to get there? What are we going to do differently in the future? What discussions are we going to have? And you hit the nail on the head, Carm. Culture, it gets thrown around quite often. But if you're not doing a self-diagnostic on your culture on a regular basis, then your culture will probably fail you at some point. If you want to hear more of David, just go to my website, remarkableresults.biz. Type in Askwith, A-S-K-W-I-T-H. You'll find a couple of great town hall academies that David was part of. A friend of yours, Dan Taylor, said, you know, David changed like Nick Saban did. And he has this analogy of back in 2018 when Nick Saban went soft, everyone said, as a, as a really hard-line coach. <laughs> and, and it was Dan telling me about that. And it, it was so interesting when you, if you read any stories about how Nick Saban you know, realized that he had to stop carrying such a big stick and, and change the way he was coaching and obviously a parallel to you. Yeah, it's interesting. Yes, I laugh. We talked about that at the last town hall. He runs the parallel between the Dabo Sweeney's of the world, who's also won national titles, and the Nick Saban, who, when everything's written, may go down as one of the greatest, if not the greatest, college coach in in history. And when you're Nick Saban, going back to where we were earlier in the podcast, I mean, you can recruit from any part of the country if you're Alabama, and you are going to get the top athletes, and everyone wants to be the starting quarterback for Alabama. And there's six people on the roster that's going to take your job when you mess up. And so I always pride myself on the Nick Saban, Bill Belichick, do your job, right? Like it's, for me, it was always fun to kind of be on that edge where it's like, okay, we're going to have these accountability discussions. But as he's alluding to, especially with today's climate, you can't just be that guy that, hey, go out there and run 10 laps. Like you are going to have to be the guy that says, 
okay, we missed the block here. We're going to do better this time. What are we going to change from that aspect? And so I've had to find that balance because my reputation is one of like, hey, more Nick Saban. Is that what I truly want to be known for? No, because at the end of the day, I I want people to think that I was fair. And I don't know how fair Nick Saban was as a coach. He had great results, but clearly he had to adjust his approach as time went on. I loved the word reputation. I mean, here it is. David has a reputation. You as an owner have a reputation. You as a manager, a dispatcher, a service advisor, how you interact and act and participate in, in your life, in your business, in your work with your peoples. You earn and gain a reputation. I guess it would be really interesting to, when you ask other people. So, you know, is there anything I can do better for you? Is there any any great ideas you have for the company? It's so great to sit down and talk to you. And oh, by the way, what's my reputation with you? I love it. That's a great question. And the other thing, if I could, Carm, is I have friends in the industry. And and what's funny is I saw one last week. They're a neighbor uh, just down the road. And uh, she's like, yeah, I was in a, in a room and I heard, uh, like, you're this hammer. And she's like, that's not the guy that I know. And so I'm just lovingly encouraging all the listeners to say, what do the people from the outside think about you compared to what do the people that work for you think about you? Because your reputation could cut both ways. It kind of sums up where I think some people are thinking about, oh, I got to be a tough and I got to be a hard ass and they won't listen to me otherwise. And maybe you need to try it the other way. Yeah, there is no right or wrong way, but how are your people responding to how you're coaching and developing? And that's what I would just encourage anyone to really evaluate. This was great. Short, simple, concise. I think we got a great, strong message here for people, and hopefully you're listening and you fit into any of these talking points that we have here for you. Maybe it's time to replay this thing again. Go to the show notes. Look at the notes that we've created for you. And find yourself a two, three, four, five point step process to become a stronger, better leader and to practice. And we didn't even talk about tough love, but I, I heard a lot of what you're talking about. Absolutely, Carm. Getting people to follow you, but yet stay within the boundaries and the rules that you set. David Asquith, Managing Director, Auto Stream, Car Care Baltimore area, nine locations. Thanks so much to Doug and Rick for leading a great organization with you at the helm. David, thanks again. Carm, thank you. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time. 